2: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network.
3: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Screen Heroes. I am your weekly host, Derek, and I've got my two lovely co-hosts with me ryan hi and ray
0: hello and we
3: are here this week to talk about the classic 1998 film small soldiers which is a childhood favorite of mine but before we do that of course it is our news segment so the latest going on in the world of entertainment uh ray where should we start what are what do you want to go with
0: Oh, well, I just recently found out that Guillermo del Toro is making a Pinocchio film for Netflix, not Netflix, Netflix, and I had no clue this was even happening or that production had already started on it a while ago before COVID, and Ewan McGregor is set to play Jiminy Cricket.
1: Is this now your most anticipated movie in the next five years, Rachel?
0: Well, considering <laughs> it might be the only one that comes out, yes.
1: That's not true. Tenet's going to come out.
0: We think so at some point.
3: I mean, it did get delayed again.
1: Did it? Yeah. Okay.
3: In fact, the only movie that hasn't been delayed in 2020 is Bill, Bill and Ted Face the Music. It actually got moved up a week. All yeah. right. So for what that's worth. Um, yeah, I mean, Del Toro does some cool stuff. I'm sure it'll be a creepier take on Pinocchio than what we're used to seeing.
0: For sure. Which I think is rather fitting. It is a very creepy fairy tale. When you think about it, like, um, it, it ends with a bunch of little boys getting, you know, trafficked. (laughs) And turned into donkeys.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's creepy. I mean, I haven't seen the cartoon in a really long time, so I don't really remember it super well. But it—it's certainly creepy. Yeah. Ryan, any opinions?
1: I mean, uh, I didn't even remember that part of Pinocchio because it's <laughs> been so long since I've seen it. So, I mean, I'm sure yeah. they're, yeah. I I remembered it when you brought it up that there was like kids turning into goats, but that's all I, I mean, I don't even remember the circumstances surrounding it.
3: That's fair. Well, down that line of, of conversation. So Regal theaters has announced that they are officially reopening starting on July 10th. Uh, They're the first major chain in the United States to announce a official reopening date, um, which is interesting. Um, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to play. I know that when they pushed when Warner Brothers pushed Tenet out, they decided to re-release Inception for its 10th anniversary. Uh and there's rumors it's going to have uh looks at Tenet as well as other WB productions. What do you guys think? Are you going to be ready to go back to the theater in July? No. <laughs> Okay,
1: Ryan, uh, your, your take. Probably. I mean, I, I just by my job, I'm pretty at risk anyway. And so I feel like if I'm going to be exposed, it's more likely going to happen at work than it is at a movie theater. But, you know, I can definitely understand somebody that doesn't feel up to it. And I, you know, don't judge those people. It's just I, I've already been exposed so much. It's kind of numb at this point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's a difficult situation, of course. Um, so you know, they, they're working on the procedures and things like that for how it's going to work. Apparently they're going to have um, half capacity for all of the screen rooms and health screenings and temperature checks for their employees. And um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to keep people spread out and, and things like that. Um, you won't be able to sit next to somebody Unless I, I assume, if you if you're buying the ticket with the person, they'll allow that. I, I mean, it doesn't go into that kind of detail, but um, yeah. So that's that's it. Regal's opening back up, which I imagine Cinemark and AMC and such are not going to be far behind.
1: Yeah, you're probably right about that.
0: Good point.
3: Um, the other kind of major news in the movie standpoint is the Oscars. So the Academy Awards uh, has been pushed. Um, It's basically been delayed two months. So it is now going to take place on April 25th, 2021. And because of that, they're actually extending the window of eligibility through the end of February, 2021. So whereas October 31st is usually the cutoff for that year's Oscars. Now it's the end of February. So, um, you know, that'll give movies a little more room to release delayed and give Sonic the Hedgehog and Bad Boys for Life uh, some extra competition.
1: I don't think those are the real frontrunners at this point, though, if I'm being honest. I think Velocipaster pretty much has everything in the bag. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's very true. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've only had one animated movie, right? So I guess Onward wins Best Animated Picture.
1: Uh, Justice League Apocalypse War. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Justice League Dark.
3: Yeah. 4, sorry. Um, and i mean pixar is supposed to release soul but i don't know when that's happening anymore i kind of stopped paying attention to release dates until they're a little more settled
0: that makes that's sense. probably a good
3: plan <laughs> um so i'm gonna let ryan take the lead on this next story because he specifically wanted to talk about it and it has to do with Stephen amell
1: yep He's got a neighbor that he's complained about a bunch of times on social media for various things. I don't know all the specifics, but uh, then uh, earlier this week or late last week, he uh, posted a photo on Instagram of a pile of turds on his roof. <laughs> and he's, he's claiming that his neighbor climbed up on it. Well, that somehow his neighbor put poop up on his roof. What he thinks is human feces. And how it happened is anybody's guess i mean did the neighbor climb onto the roof and squat and take a dump right there on the uh, shingles or did the neighbor maybe scoop it out of the toilet and sling it up onto the roof or did they shit in their own backyard and then throw it up on the roof or maybe their dog and they thought it looked human-like so they, they scooped up some dog crap and threw it on the roof there's a lot of possibilities on how the poop got there is what i'm getting at and we really don't have any definitive evidence as to what happened i'm beginning to call this arrow poop gate 2020 <laughs> so we're gonna get shirts made so watch that for a merch shop yes. but, um yeah it's it's a serious uh serious deal
3: so stephen Amel posted a photo of it on uh on his twitter and Based based on that, I don't. It doesn't look like it was like thrown up there. It no, looks it like looks it was like gently somebody placed.
1: I mean, if I had to pick one of my my favorite of the things that I said, it would be that the neighbor went up onto the roof and dropped trow and dookie <laughs> right onto his roof. Because if you're gonna like, fuck, say fuck you to somebody, you uh. that's how you you don't throw the poop up there. You go up there and drop it right onto their roof you give them that coiled snake right there and no regrets. So (laughs) I'm hoping that's how it happened, but it's hard to say really, but it doesn't look like, I mean, I'm not a CSI scientist, but I do watch a lot of CSI and I'm pretty sure that that was not thrown up there. (laughs) Just that's my expert opinion.
3: Ray's been quiet. Any thoughts?
0: She Um, loves this. I, this is pretty funny for me, and I, I feel bad for Stephen ML. I would really hate that. Like, how do you notice that? I don't pay attention to our roof too often, so I'm not quite sure.
1: goodness for that. I I left a little present up there for you, so. Uh,
0: Apparently, yeah. I wouldn't, like, see it for days. But, anyway, I...
1: (laughs) Now I want to be fair with this because Stephen Amell has recently been on Michael Rosenbaum's podcast and he said that he's a tough guy to get along with on set in real life. My personal experience, cause I I'm pretty close with Stephen. Uh, I didn't meet him <laughs> once at a con and got a picture taken and he complimented a bow I made. So we're, we're basically best friends, but I would not say that he is hard to get along with, but he claims he's hard to get along with. So, you know, he the the post he made that Derek was referencing he mentioned that his wife was the one that had been dealing with this lady so maybe his wife is equally as hard to deal with as he is I don't know I'm just saying that I can think of probably at least 20 different scenarios where I would go take a shit on my neighbor's roof so
0: oh wow okay
1: that's just off the top of my head I could probably come up with more
3: all right Fair enough. Well, um, keeping in in line with the D.C. topic that we're currently on, um, there's been a lot of rumors surrounding the Batman, uh, which um, is Robert Pattinson's Batman film. It's a uh, rumor to be, uh, start back up production in early July, July 6th. And there's just there's a lot of rumors. So, guys, is there anything in particular that jumped out at you that you you want to talk about?
1: Well, I mean, for me, the exciting part is the description of the fight scene in the Iceberg Lounge, which sounds like, I mean, in my head, it rivals the the warehouse fight scene from BVS. And that was probably the best part of that movie. So, um, you know, that makes me really excited. It's essentially described as a fight scene that involves a lot of thugs and a bunch of Batman gadgets. And yeah, so that sounds really neat. They're
3: called and bat, the iceberg line is pretty
1: iconic. Do
3: what? <laughs> yes, they're, they're called bat gadgets. Just bat My gadgets. My mistake.
1: Sorry.
3: Yeah. Um, Ray, what about you?
0: Oh, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. First of all, it's really fun to see them go balls to the wall with villains. If that is indeed the truth, uh, if I counted correctly, there are five villains mentioned. Uh, we, I'm assuming that. Catwoman will play more of an anti-hero or just like a simple foil for him but at the same time the uh, Firefly, Mad Hatter, and then Penguin and Riddler sound really cool. Uh, I expressed today in our private chat that I'm a little upset they're changing Mad Hatter around so the the rumor is he's going to be a drug dealer and not a pedophile, which will be a little disjointing for me. Considering I've all like that's his storyline. Like even in Batman the animated series, they they didn't. And in flat, Gotham, yeah, yeah, and in Gotham, like I, it's just it's a little weird for me. Drug dealing is not nearly as bad in my opinion as pedophilia and i i think this will lead to people liking the character more which makes it just a little odd for me you know i i compared it to people who enjoy uh nazi characters you know it's just weird you're not supposed to
3: (laughs) yeah i i think that's fair um I'm a little concerned about the volume of villains just because historically, the more villains there are in a superhero film, the more of a mess it tends to be, Um, especially when it's, you know, a solo kind of flick and not some big team up.
0: Once you hit four, you are required by law to do nipples on your bat suit. That's
3: actually Um, true. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so I'm a little concerned about that. I don't know why. And look, it may be great, but I, I don't know why a Batman movie needs to have like a massive rogues gallery of villains. When... Well, the
1: rumor is that they're basing it on the long Halloween, which has a very large mm-hmm. rogues gallery of villains. So, I mean, it makes sense. And that story obviously was written, so you can't really compare it to a, what a movie would be, but the, it's the villains and that did not have a lot of character development. You know, it was he, they basically were just getting questioned, and then that was it. I think mm-hmm. if they focus on the Riddler and Penguin, like they're t- like the rumors say, I think it'll still be fine. They'll just be secondary characters and not really villains because they're only villains in the larger sense of the universe, not necessarily in this particular movie. If that makes sense,
3: it does. And and if that ends up being the case, then that that's great. Um, you know, I. People know I'm, I, a D- I'm a DC fanboy, so I want this to be good. I'm just a little nervous.
0: I'd really enjoy that. I think a huge issue with the Batman movies previously has been the large disconnect. Like, oh, he fought this one villain this one time in this one movie and then never again. And I mean, Nolan's is, Nolan's trilogy is just as guilty as the Tim Burton Joel Schumacher matchup where you know stuff happens but we just forget that those guys ever existed. The only one to kind of survive that was Scarecrow and his cameos got more and more comical as we went on and so Playing the long game with these villains is exactly what we love about the rogues gallery is we like seeing them show up in small bits. We like seeing them be their own thing, their their own threat. So if that's what they're doing, I'm going to be very happy. If it's just like a mass of confusion, then meh, we've seen that.
3: Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other thing that I get excited about reading those leaks is the purple, potential for the purple Catwoman suit.
0: Oh, yeah. That yeah, would be amazing.
3: That would be very cool. Yeah, I agree. So did
1: these leaks get you guys more excited for the movie, or stay the same, or less excited for the movie?
0: No, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, the, the only thing that just makes me a little sad is, you know, the lack of women involved, but... It, these are just leaks they're not confirmation and it's also not a guarantee so we'll see how it goes
1: well zoe kravitz strong actress i think that hopefully mm-hmm. she'll be enough of a female influence that we won't feel the loss throughout the rest of the movie i hope but we'll see i guess
3: i'm pretty even on it i um i'm looking forward to the movie because i like batman you know and i want to see more batman but uh kind of the problem that that spider-man has for me is that like the, those two characters just keep getting reboots and new and new versions and new movies over and over again. And, um, you know, I, I think I would just like to see some other characters get the spotlight. Um, and you know, until I actually get to see, you know, Robert Pattinson in the suit in some type of video sequence, um, you know, I'm just gonna try and temper expectations is all. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the last piece of news, th- news that I have surrounds San Diego Comic-Con, which is officially moving to a virtual event called Comic-Con at Home. All one word with a dash between comic and con. Uh, it will kick off on Wednesday, July 22nd. It will be free for people to experience. Uh, it will include a lot of the, the major stuff that it is has been known for, like panels and uh, presentations, that type of thing. Um, and they're even adding in gaming competitions, which, uh, which is really great. So there's going to be uh, a printable badge that you can have for it for yourself. If you want to you know, do that kind of thing and uh, everyone gets to go, which I'm excited about because this is the first time I'll actually be able to attend San Diego. Probably the Comcast. only time in our lives. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, which is kind of funny. So uh, I'm, I'm happy about it personally. I think it was a, a smart move for them to do this. I think it took a lot of, of guts to do it. I don't think it's an easy undertaking what, what they have promised to deliver here. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. What about you guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, if they announced some cool panels and I guess I'll probably tune in for those, but other than that, I'm not, it's fine. I mean, I'm going to be doing the same thing I do every San Diego and just troll the toy sites for the exclusives and you know Mm -hmm. grab them that way
0: i truly appreciate that they're trying you know this is one of the few cons that feels sad about missing because every year we do a san diego news thing and this year there's not going to be any news like some things will be announced but it's not going to be as intense or as fun as we want
3: yeah, and, and Warner Brothers has basically said that DC Entertainment's not going to be there. They're going to do their own thing. So we'll have to wait and see what, what that's all about.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Any other news that you guys would like to cover?
0: No. I think
3: we, I think we got it all?
0: Yeah, Very good. All right.
3: Then we will take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the 1998 film Small Soldiers.
0: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: All right. We are back to talk small soldiers. So this film came out uh, July 10th, 1998, it's Rated PG 13 and stars a interesting collection of people, including Kirsten Dunst, Dennis Leary, the voice of Tommy Lee Jones and many others. Uh, the movie came in at a $40 million budget and grossed a grand total of $71.7 million worldwide, which is not amazing. Uh, not a flop, but definitely not, I'm sure. Definitely what they were, a failure. Yeah, not what they were hoping for, I would imagine. Um, so, you know, it's got a uh, 6.2 on IMDb, which is also not not great. But let's, um, real quick, have... You guys had all seen it before we did it for the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And would you say that after your rewatch here, well, when was the last time you had seen it before this?
0: It's
1: been a while. Probably, yeah. yeah, I would guess maybe 2002, 2001, somewhere in there.
0: Definitely over 10 years for me.
3: Yeah, I'd probably say sometime around when Ryan was saying I had it on VHS. So that's what I was watching it on last. Um, and we rented it through, through Amazon this time around. But, um, okay. So just before we dive into the details is your, pers- now that you've watched it, do you think it, it held up to what you remember? Better, worse, the same.
0: No, it it definitely held up. The animation is pretty seamless. Like there were only a couple parts that drew me out, which says a lot about what tech they were using back in the day. You could tell it was a really great mix of practical and uh, animation And then also just the storyline is just as fun. I thought maybe I enjoyed it as a kid because, you know, I'm young and dumb and everything, (laughs) but no, it was wonderful. It was super enjoyable and the lines were just as funny. It's a damn shame that since it's a DreamWorks picture, it was never spun off into a cartoon or something.
1: It was like the sixth DreamWorks picture that ever they ever did, or something. Like it was a pretty early DreamWorks picture, which DreamWorks was Steven Spielberg's thing, so that yep. was you know a pretty big deal. Um, I'd say, yeah, I mean, I I probably enjoyed it the same amount. There are certainly things that my perspective is a lot different now than it was then. So, um, you know, it came across as a lot darker, kind of like Surf Ninjas did when we watched that. It, it came across as a lot a lot darker as a adult than it does as a kid Mm -hmm. um but overall yeah I mean I was impressed with very very impressed with how well everything held up uh like Rachel was saying there was less probably less than a handful of times when I was like wow all right and even those times I was not like this is really bad it was I was like okay I can tell now Mm -hmm. that something's going on but it wasn't horrible um but yeah yeah I mean I, I enjoyed it just as much I'm happy I watched it again
3: yeah, same. I, I definitely found it uh, funnier than I remembered it being. Like, I remember enjoying it, but not in, like, a humorous way. I just remember enjoying, like, the action figures and the action. But I actually found it pretty funny this time around. Uh, there's definitely some, some tonal stuff that's really dark. Um, and um, just kind of some commentary on some serious issues that I'm not I, – I assume they were making on purpose at the time. But, yeah, I mean, visually, this movie is 22 years old. And it still looks really good. Um, it's really kind of surprising when you think about what, what animated movies looked like at the time technologically and what lots of kids movies were, were looking like. Um, I guess this is your spoiler warning for 1998 Small Soldiers. But um, one thing that, that really caught me off guard was a few things that just seemed like ripoffs of Toy Story, like, like particular moments. Did you guys get any of that?
0: yeah there's definite themes of that are similar to toy story i think they took the idea of toy story to the next level because i mean toy story is pretty dark too at times
3: right it kind of feels like it's this is an adult version of toy story Um, Mm -hmm. but the scene that kind of sealed that for me was when uh, alan puts uh, archer strapped to a rocket (laughs) and launches them and like that's just like i mean yeah that's what happens to woody right um or buzz excuse me um and so i just thought that was really funny and maybe it's totally coincidental and this just because they're focused on toys that i made that connection but this definitely seemed like a darker take on that idea of what if your toys were
1: alive yep yeah this movie it seemed like it was two movies in one when i watching it as an adult like it seemed like it was a like dark violent adult movie on the inside but then they wrapped it in a child-friendly shell and Mm -hmm. i actually went and read about it and apparently they when they originally developed the movie the director said in, in an interview in 2008 said he was told to make an edgy picture for teenagers but when the sponsor tie-ins came in, the new mandate was to soften it up as a kiddie movie too late as it turned out. And there are elements of both approaches in there. So you can definitely see that, um, as an adult, I just thought that was interesting that, that even the director has kind of acknowledged that.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like at the very tail end of the movie, um, um, what's his face? I can't remember the guy's name, but the president of the company says that you know, it's a shame that would have made a good commercial. And I thought, well, yeah, the whole movie is a commercial for like the entire toy line that they ended up having. Cause there were like two or three different tiers of quality for the action figures and all these play sets and stuff. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, like I wanted like all of these figures. I don't think there was a single one I didn't want to have and just play out like my own, my own battles but i'm also the kind of person who would have had the gorgonites win most of the time so <laughs>
1: well, i think we all would have because we're not yeah. sadists True. oh
3: well okay then all right that's a hard stance here huh. on screen heroes
0: <laughs> come on i like... take. <laughs> take gorgonites <laughs> should win <laughs> we all enjoyed the gorgonites more than we did the commandos
1: yeah there's something that blew my mind though i didn't So, as a kid, I loved Archer. Mm -hmm. I thought he was the coolest, and the voice was amazing for Archer. Turns out it's Frank Langella, and I never knew that. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Skeletor. (laughs) Frank Langella. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this all makes so much sense now. It's all full circle. But yeah, yeah, that, I mean, Archer was the best voice casting in the whole movie, if you ask me. I mean, he was perfect. I agree. There's
3: a lot of just crazy casting in here. You people from uh, the, the the Dirty Dozen and Spinal Tap. You have uh, Christina Ricci and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar are voicing the 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 wimp the dolls the, the Wendy, um, Gwendy or whatever they're the, yeah the Gwendy, Gwendys. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's 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 all over the place. And then you have Tommy Lee Jones playing Chip. Um, and so like the voice cast is actually a lot more interesting than the human cast. <laughs>
1: in the movie. It's all interesting. If you ask me when I, I was watching this with my girlfriend and she had never seen it before. Hmm. So seeing all these people come up, you kind of realize how stacked the cast really is. Like there was a lot of really good talent with this movie. Um, and I didn't know, know that really, or I had forgotten most of it until, Um, looking back at it now. and back then maybe a lot of them were not big names so the fact that now they all they a lot of them turned out to be bigger names is pretty interesting
3: well I mean you know Phil Hartman of course well you know he was he was a big name uh,
1: I don't Um, think he was a question whether he was a big name at that time or not
0: well at the time like a lot of those people were associated with Saturday Night Live Jay Moore Dennis Leary and uh Phil Hartman. And of course the cameo by Sherry O'Terry. Like oh, yeah. Sherry O'Terry was the only one who was actually working at Saturday Night Live at the time. Dennis Leary was a frequent host, and um Jay Moore was a brief uh cast member, but of course Phil Hartman was on there for nine years. So mm-hmm. uh Joe Dante like took some of the best comedic talent of the 90s and put him in there.
1: I do feel like Phil Harmon was a little wasted in this role. Um, he was the, the he played a similar role in uh in Jingle All the Way, yeah.
0: And yeah. I thought
1: I thought it was handled a lot better in Jingle All the Way than it was in this movie. But mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of dickhead neighbor, right? Like that's that's the role he got pigeonholed into for a few movies. But Jingle All the Way, I think he did a better job. Um,
3: no, that's a really good comparison and it's it's even more niche than like jerk neighbor it's also like super know-it-all
1: yeah know-it-all like right? <laughs> really good at everything jerk neighbor
3: right um and i immediately thought that i was like oh man this is just like that jingle all the way role um and i don't know maybe, maybe it's just because he gets lost in all the ridiculousness that's going on around him most of the time um it could be you know because jingle all the way is a little bit more of of a family story of a character story Whereas this is, I mean, at the end of the day, is really focused on the toys.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The human characters are secondary to all the toys, right?
3: And maybe
0: that was like a huge problem. Maybe they should have gone with a few more nobodies. hmm. I mean, humans, not as the voices of the
3: the the guy who plays Alan, Greg Gregory Smith. I mean, I don't really recognize him. Was he from anything?
0: He did a few other kids movies well a few other movies as a kid and then he went on to have a fairly successful career in everwood ah. and he's done a lot of indie films since
3: gotcha yeah so i mean the main lead wasn't like a, a huge star at the time and kirsten dunce was kind of up and coming she'd already done jumanji you know well,
0: she got top billing she and dennis leary
3: Hmm. well she was only i mean two years away from filming Mm spider-man
1: she looks so much younger in this movie though yeah yeah she looked more like her jumanji character than she did her spider-man character so the jump
3: the jump from 16 to 18 was a big difference for her just like in her face Um, yeah but what was what year was jumanji just for comparison's sake
0: was she really 18 when she started filming well, she, uh spider-man
3: well she was 16 she would have been 16 in 1998 i looked it up because i was curious how close in age the kids actually were in real life compared to the characters and and so she would have she would have been 16 when small soldiers premiered and since spider-man came out in a, in what was it was it oh one
0: yeah sure
3: so, so i assume she was filming in 2000
0: yeah, probably. Have you started okay.
1: checking all these kids' actors' age ever since Search and Surf Ninjas because we got lied to <laughs> in that one and we got made to believe that this guy's 14 years old when in reality he's like 24?
0: And Rob uh, Schneider's like 82 yeah, filming but he's this? he's supposed
1: to be 16 years old. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. So I did notice that we've had like, so we've never talked about Rob Schneider on this show and then we had two episodes featuring rob schneider well we never talked really about dennis leary and now we've had dennis leary in two episodes mm-hmm. so i'm wondering what other character from this movie is going to be in the next <laughs> view we do
0: oh it's got to be david cross I right because like he he has done so much stuff yeah. he is in the background of a million movies like it's got to be him probably
3: all right, so for those doing the math at home, uh, Jumanji came out in 1995, and Spider Man came out in 2002, not 2001. So, so this was like right in the middle. So 95, 98, 2002. There you go. But yeah, I started right, checking then. like kid, kid actors who are supposed to be playing kids. I've started checking their ages uh, the last few years because I've just started to realize how ridiculous a lot of like high school TV shows are cast. Yeah you know and i didn't really CW care he was
1: pretty notorious for that
3: right exactly that's a prime I mean, that's example. happened
0: our whole life all oh, yeah. of the saved by the bell shows as like the sequel the spin-off the college years and um all the rip-offs as well they were all like in their 30s
3: mm-hmm. and so that's why like I-, I do like now when i do see where people were cast appropriately you know, right. so right. Uh, Alan and, and Christy are 15 and 16, ap- approximately. And so that that works. You know, they're not 25 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway. Kids that
0: actually look like kids.
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, OK, so let's talk about the premise of the movie. Right. So the idea is, of course, for those who don't know, um, a giant tech cl- conglomerate that has military contracts buys out a toy company and uh one of the designers pitches the gorgonites who are this these peaceful alien type beings and the other guy who's you know the more jerk guy uh is pitching these these kind of super soldiers these military guys and of course the head of the company likes the military guys And so it gives them basically unlimited access to build them and make them like really real the way it is in the commercial, and I still appreciate that concept of like let's have the toy actually do what we show that it does. I'm 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 on board with that. Um, And so um, they put military grade chips in the bodies of these action figures, and they're highly intelligent and then the soldiers the commandos start trying to kill the gorgonites that's that's basically they
1: explain it later it's like a neural learning network in the uh in the chips so like they can constantly learn about the things that are happening around them and adapt to it but they still have their one primary directive Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
3: exactly And, and they know what they are right they they understand that they're they're mechanical and they're small and and that kind of thing um and so yeah so from that premise guys how does that hold up over the years do you think that that basic premise still
1: still works yes yeah i mean it's been done not in the exact same way it's been done several times though and you know it's pretty been pretty successful so um i mean this is probably one of the one of the least lesser on the successful scale in terms of that premise but yeah i think it's uh it works just fine. And I mean, the talent behind it, of course, it's going to work. They knew they had a slam dunk with it, but then it wasn't a slam dunk. So.
3: Yeah. I mean, financially it's it's certainly rough. Right. And that, that's a difficult thing for, for a movie like this. But um, I, I mean, I personally think the premise holds up pretty well, right. The idea that uh, a a a much larger company that does maybe some controversial things trying to buy out, more consumer-friendly companies to put on a smiling face. I mean, that's that's pretty believable to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Well, like it wasn't until my first or second year in college when I realized that most of the television. Companies, most oil companies, most of this, most of that. They're all owned by like five companies in the whole world. And it was so just disheartening. So I, I completely believe it. This, yeah. I, I could see this happening, you know, tomorrow.
3: And, you know, we talked about how, whether or not this movie was successful. And I do like putting things in context. So this movie opened up, Against uh, Lethal Weapon Four and Madeline, those were the three new movies.
1: Lethal new Weapon movie Four movie. was the one with Jet Li, right?
3: Yes.
0: Yes.
1: I did see that in theaters.
3: And in theaters already at the time was Armageddon, only in its second week, and uh, Doctor Doolittle in its third week, and Mulan in its fourth week. So you had a pretty stacked theater with a lot of kid kids friendly movies, a lot of adult friendly movies and and some stuff in between. Mm-hmm. And uh that's a lot a lot of competition. I mean, even going down the list, you The Truman Show was still in theaters at the time. Um and so I think that that's just bad luck maybe, bad timing. Yeah. Been, partially.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't see this in theaters. I didn't catch it until like HBO. Mm.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, was, I, I was in the theaters. I did see it, and um, I, I got the, 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 the big VHS. You know, like some of the movies came in oversized boxes for whatever reason, and that's, that's what I got when it released at home, so. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about the action figures themselves because that's obviously the, uh, the main focus of the movie. Who, who do you like? Who do you maybe not like? What do you think of the designs? Go.
1: I want to. I want to do want to give a shout out to Stan Winston Studios who did the uh, practical effects. If you've ever seen a movie with really good practical effects, it's really likely that it was probably Stan Winston Studios because their stuff is always the best. And so at the beginning of the movie, when it popped up and says with Stan Winston, it's like all right. I mean, this this is going to hold up for sure. And it did. Um, all the practical stuff did for sure. But Mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of mechanical work that went into having a toy that could do the things that they were making it do on such a small scale, very impressive. Um, but character wise, I mean, the Gorgonites are all cool, right? Like we all like lovable monsters, even like the one that was supposed to be scary, the Frankenstein one or whatever was still pretty cool. Um, Ernest Borgnine was Slam fist. it's like what right. I didn't realize that <laughs> um, but yeah Chip Hazard was cool and I mean the Commandos were cool too it's just you know you're not supposed to root for them so but the, as somebody that grew up in the 80s with like uh, their idols being testosterone fueled muscle men and you know pure action stars the Commandos had their own appeal too
3: Ray what about you
0: yeah, so definitely favored the Gorgonites. And I think it's just because they all looked different. You know, they there is no one color to them or scheme or anything. And I understand why, but it, it was just more appealing to me as a kid. Um, Slam Fist was my favorite other than Archer, of course. Uh, I confessed to Derek during the movie that as a kid I had always found Archer a little attractive because of the abs and everything. And the
1: abs and that voice—I mean, yeah, geez. right? Like seductive.
0: It, it's calm, and he never raises his voice, no, and he's intelligent. Yeah, he's... Like, yeah, he is the gentle warrior, and I love him. Uh, okay. The the commando elite—they're uh, they're fun they look like every soldier i've ever seen in a commando movie like as soon as i saw them again this time i was like these these guys are straight out of the predator movie (laughs) yeah they were supposed to be
1: like stereotypical Mm -hmm. you know and you could identify what each one was by the way like what their role was by the way they looked so
0: Absolutely. And I loved everything about that. I loved how cliche they were. You know, the monsters, the Gorgonites got to be unique and a bit fleshed out and they could be, you know, plays on the universal monsters. But the Commandos were clearly parodies of every like war film, every action film that we saw, every Rambo and yeah, yeah. It, it was just a lot of fun. So,
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I do appreciate that even though the the commandos were supposed to, you know, obviously be troops that looked similar, they still had unique facial designs and, and body designs. And they, at least, I think they did the best they could to differentiate them within like that confined
1: structure of what mm-hmm. they were supposed to be. Um, yeah, I mean, just looking at them, like if I just saw a picture of each one, I could tell you exactly what each of their roles were in mm-hmm. the, in the unit, which is, which means that it was successful character design, you know?
3: Yeah. And I think that's huge, right? Because we're just, we're being introduced to a lot of characters very quickly who some of them don't get a ton of screen time. And so being able to recognize them at, at just a glance is important. Um, I think, you know, yeah, I, it's, it's obviously the safe answer to say Archer is your favorite. I love Archer. I've always wanted that action figure. Um, but I really like Insaniac because of, of the, the the puns and the jokes. You know, he's like the cruise line, um, you know, stand up comedian guy, and I think it's hilarious. Um, especially because the Gorgonites, a lot of the time, are are very you know very heavy and weighed down, and they don't they don't have a lot of self esteem, right? That's brought up in the movie. Well, but their it's... whole
1: point is that they they lose. That's right. their entire existence. So yeah, I mean, I think that's fitting.
3: But then Insaniac is still able to to crack jokes and and laugh. And so I always really – I like him. I think he's fun. Uh, Maybe not my favorite design necessarily, but I really like the personality. You
1: don't get to see a lot of his design because he's most of the time like a tornado of Mm -hmm. movement. But I thought – I mean, having the toy, you know, I inspect how cool the toy looked. And he was was a neat design too. They were all – all the Gorgonites were just really well designed as well. I mean, just – you could kind of tell their personality what it would be just looking at them, mm-hmm. just like the commando elite. So yeah, I thought the, the, all across the board, wonderful, wonderful designs on the toys.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So you know, over the course of the film, it kind of goes off the rails uh, and gets really intense more than I had ever remembered. Um, when uh, Alan and Christie are trying to you know run away on the moped. And the commandos, like, blow up a tree and a power pole, like, in burning flames, like, flying down in the center of the road. Um It's a, at least for me, somehow that didn't make it silly. It just made it more intense.
1: It was, yeah. So th- that was where I started to get, like, man, this is really freaking dark because... You know, so these toys are all shown to be sentient, essentially, and have their own personalities and, you know, alive, whatever, for, you know, as far as you want to take that. And they were getting, like, ripped apart limbs on the ground and, like, you could see toy guts, essentially. Um, I mean, if this was humans, it would be hard R. Yeah, And, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're just plastic humans. They all have their own personalities and, and they're all alive. And so when you start thinking about it in that context... And then they're trying to really kill... I mean, they're using like chainsaws and flaming tennis balls. (laughs) I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, you could make a straight-up horror movie out of this without a whole ton of editing, really.
0: That's
1: true. I kind of want somebody to do that now.
0: (laughs) There's not much difference between action and horror, except for like a few cuts here and there
1: and this one i feel like it was pushing towards the horror in the, in the last half for sure i mean when when he was talking in that interview about you know that some of it slipped through i feel like the last half i mean that kid getting shot with the freaking uh, corn cob things in the leg
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I, I i think we can all feel that like that would suck really bad
3: i mean the dad gets shot with that nail gun in the back yeah i
1: mean that's messed up
3: you know um it it is really intense and
1: and then the full fucking climax fight where the it's like a, a dude on a helicopter and a kid on a power pole you know like a lot of electricity the electricity of a power pole could easily fry a kid i mean yeah. there's a lot of shit going on there
3: well, and when you think about like the Child's Play franchise, Chucky was so successful for so long and is still going on. I mean, yeah, I think you could have easily taken the characters in this movie and the general premise of this movie and make it a straight up hard R horror film. No problem. Yeah.
0: Without a doubt. Um, I do want to say something uh, mainly to Ryan. Sorry, but I know he is a fan of My Hero Academia. Now looking back, uh, Insaniac definitely reminds me of Stain, like, a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And yeah.
0: I I always wonder well, now I'm wondering if Stain was kind of based off of Insaniac.
1: It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me, honestly. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that.
3: So one other kind of interesting interesting out-of-movie thing is uh, to to what we were talking about, how, like, these these are sentient beings – all of them, the, the Gorgonites and the commandos are sentient beings. Mm -hmm. Well, they're essentially created. The guy who makes the chip, the scientist that they go talk to is played by Robert Picardo, who plays the doctor hologram on star Trek Voyager. And And he was doing it
1: at the same time. This movie was being filmed. I'm pretty sure.
3: Yes. No, yeah, he was. I I actually had to
1: ask my girlfriend about that because I hadn't (laughs) seen Voyager in so long, but I knew he was in star Trek. So Mm -hmm. we looked it up to see the timeline
3: and it's really cool because that character you know no, no real spoilers or anything but part of his character is getting people to realize that he is a a being he is a real living being that has a, has thoughts and opinions and beliefs um and you know should you know have you know rights as a living being that's a big part of that character's arc over the show so it's interesting and i'm sure very much on purpose that that was the role that he was put into here where he essentially created that same program that makes all of these uh creatures sentient Mm -hmm. so a fun little fact there
0: i like that so not to really like harp on this a ton but i do want to point out just how awful the female representation in this film is <laughs> It's really bad it's so bad man. i mean
1: the mom is the strongest of all the all the uh, well the hero's mom is the strongest yep. of all the female characters the other mom is like she's awful yeah she's the worst
0: uh but yeah the the abernathy mom and kirsten Dunn's character are pretty good you know, they're they're not, definitely not bad. Uh, but the assistant, whose name is Ms. Kegel? Who oh, I know.
1: We, we said that, too. We said that, too. Kegel? Really? Right. That's what they went with?
0: Who names her? Like, what is the matter with you? Wow. Have you ever spoken to a woman before? Or are you just like, Ms. oh, we're going to name her after vagina muscles,
1: <laughs> hey don't dudes have kegels too so they do yeah, yeah exactly yeah.
3: i mean like don't get me wrong that is the worst name in the movie hands down but most of the names are pretty bad yeah, yeah.
0: Gil now, mars is not a great name
3: right the most and, like,
1: cliche names ever
3: phil Thimple? like come on yeah phil fimple alan abernathy erwin Ir- Wayfair is not bad that's that's fine Um, but yeah, I mean, the names are not great, but that's certainly the worst. Yes. No no question.
0: For sure. And then I also had a problem with the Gwendy dolls. And in a couple of spots, like, first and foremost...
1: They were creepy as fuck, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, once they, like, ripped out their hair, their clothes, removed their chest and... Or their
1: entire head. Mm -hmm. Like, the one was just a pair of floating eyes. Frightening.
0: Frightening. Uh the things they were saying though it was all just ridiculous stuff like and that's if that's the problem with the 90s unfortunately every toy for girls was made with like makeup or kitchen in in mind like dating and stuff like that so all those lines were just really gut-wrenching i was like oh yeah that's all they expected women to be
3: (laughs) And, like, I, th- I think, like, I, comple- I completely agree with you. And I think what the p- what they were trying to do was, like, show that they weren't as intelligent as the commandos because they all had to share one chip. Yeah. Right? But I don't know that that really comes across, especially to children, which is what this movie was really intended for.
0: And they're all in their underwear. Not one of them <laughs> got to keep any of their outfits. So. Speaking of that. <laughs> yes, please. My let's... girlfriend
1: brought this up to me, and I thought it was actually a really good point. She said, "Why are they all wearing command, uh, like uh, camo underwear?"
0: Right? So Why? there's two
1: possibilities here. <laughs> one is that for some reason the toy company decided that all these Wendy's needed camo underwear, even like prom dress Wendy needed camo underwear. The other possibility is that the commando elite went through each and every one and painted command or, like camo shit on all the girls' underwear. which is really creepy.
3: chip is a very artistic guy okay you just don't give him a chance
1: yeah (laughs) i
0: actually think that is the the answer there because
1: (laughs) the second one
0: yeah as a girl who grew up with a ton of barbies their underwear never looks like that especially yeah yeah, especially when they were originally wearing like a jackie o outfit
3: yeah um, and then to your point ray about like the the, the female representation when christy starts fighting back i thought she grabbed a golf club but she doesn't it's like a twirling baton
2: yeah yeah you know one and I'm those like,
1: plastic batons
3: like you couldn't give her like a golf club or a or a bat or something like that yeah, there's or... literally
1: nothing else in this room that she could use as a weapon
3: like at least uh irene abernathy gets the the tennis racket Right, which mm-hmm. is a new a neutral device, and she does a really good job with that. That's a really fun scene. I like that a lot.
1: <laughs> you know? But they are shooting flaming tennis yeah. balls into these person oh my god, it's like and then wannabe, right out of the freaking Spice Girls movie, pop into wasn't it wannabe? <laughs> yeah. It was one of the Spice Girls songs. Like oh I-, I started singing it immediately because I'm a closet spice girls fan, but you know, it was
0: something. Well, now you're an open Spice Girls Now I'm open.
1: I'm coming out as a it was, Spice Girls fan.
3: It was great, though. Like, I just love, like, she, she tells him to move the couch, but be careful with it. And then she just flips over the coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and her husband's backing her up, you know, great for, uh, forehand, you know. And I just, I don't know. I like that. They, I that their was
0: marriage was fantastic. Right? They were very supportive. And for a kid who has been kicked out of two schools they let him run a store and they were both very calm dealing with his bullshit. Like good for them. They were a really good couple and I enjoyed seeing them again, especially as an adult now, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of
1: that. Oh, go ahead. When I was brought up earlier that my perspective is a lot different on a lot of things. Yeah. I'm closer in age now to the dad and the mom than I was, than I am to the kids. So yep. when the kid is like, dad, I can do this. And the dad's, you know, the electrical pole scene, right? Yeah. The dad's like, no, you're. I can't let you do this. And I'm like, right? You cannot <laughs> let him do this. That's yeah. like, so stupid. He's like 10 years old or something. I don't know how kids work, but he's young. He's, he's, he's really 15. Small. Yeah. Okay, obviously. whatever. He's basically a baby. Uh, right. You're not going to let a fetus climb an electrical pole to do battle <laughs> with a helicopter toy, right? Like, uh, I that was that was, and I, I get it that he got shot with a nail gun, but I'm I can't imagine any dad that I would say that's a good dad that would let their kid with with like washing gloves on because right. apparently rubber doesn't collect, conduct electricity. I'm assuming that's what they're implying. That's but what they're I'm implying. I'm pretty sure would yeah. still die <laughs> if you went up there with like rubber dishwashing gloves on. I well. Mean, it was, ridiculous
3: it also doesn't help any, like that phil doesn't help either right and so you've got you got two two capable adult males who do basically nothing like
1: fail that phil hartman's character was like just coming off of a bunch of downers so i can't imagine that he was like in a position to really be doing much of anything he seemed
3: fine by the climax fight
1: but the mom didn't
3: yeah but she didn't seem fine before she was true (laughs) she
1: she had problems
0: like i I... feel like she was just really stressed out the entire time like her husband is causing shit with the neighbors next door he's putting up all these things and he just like she just wants to watch some tv (laughs) so i feel like she takes a xanax every 20 minutes anyway that's probably
1: accurate
3: but just you have four adults and Irene's really the only one who does anything risky herself.
1: Well, I feel like they were setting it up that uh, Alan's dad would have done it if he hadn't gotten shot in the leg or whatever with the nail. Yeah. yeah they it needed seemed to- like that was what was really keeping him from doing it. And I still think that's a little weak. Like I, it would suck to get shot in the leg with a nail gun, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't stop you from being able to use your leg.
3: Well, I I think it would have worked better if they had started with, like, the dad was going to do it. And then when he gets shot, then Alan decides to take over and his dad can't stop him because he's injured. Mm -hmm. I think that would have played a little bit better. Probably. You know, but instead, Alan says, this is what I have to do. And the dad doesn't like it. But you never hear the dad say, I'll do it. That that never happens. And then he gets hurt. And so Alan just does it. And so I think that's the assumption. I think you're right. But it's just not... It's not really there,
1: you know? Yeah. It just made me feel really old. <laughs> Realizing yeah. that I, I, I'm i like, Dad, what are you doing? This is ridiculous.
0: Oh, the first um, time I had that with a TV show or movie was when I went back and watched uh, Little Mermaid. And she's like, I'm 16. <laughs> I'm not a child. I'm like, yes, oh, you are. you are. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, you are. You're just like a baby.
3: That is hilarious. Um, it, I mean, and it's it's fair because like now you you look at these movies, right? And as a kid, it's so frustrating because if the parents would just listen to the kids, everything would be okay. And now, I'm like, well, what would happen if a kid came up to me and told me that like their action figures had
1: started stabbing people? <laughs> like, <laughs> you would react just like the parents. You'd be like, "Go back to sleep, kid."
3: Right? Like, it just you know, but like most. Most of those types of movies and TV shows, the plot all hinges on, like, if the parents would just trust their children. And now I'm like, I don't know that I would believe them either.
0: <laughs> well, so nowadays it's a little different. Some of these things could have easily been avoided with uh, video. So if my 15-year-old kid came up to me and was like, my toys are stabbing things. They destroyed your shop. They they took all your your tools dad uh here let me prove it to you i'd be like well did you get it on video can i see your tiktok like just <laughs> just show me that you have proof with this and then we're all done you know
1: that's
3: it so at the tail end of the movie uh alan apologizes to the uh the truck driver uh, i can't i don't remember his name joe but it's joe, joe it's honest. right it's on. yeah it's joe uh, he apologizes to joe and I get it, right? Joe got held up by Chip and everything. But but here's the thing. If Alan hadn't talked Joe into dropping that case of figures off, then all 500,000 of these action figures would have been sold and activated at, like, around the same time all over yep. the country. Not only that, <laughs> but
1: all, the, all these people got massive checks. They're implied to be, like way more than any of their houses or lives probably for that matter are worth, including the truck driver. Mm -hmm. So because that kid did all that, that truck driver's probably never going to have to work again. The parents are probably never going to have to work again. Like it's implied that it's such a sum of money that these people will be set for life to keep their mouths shut. So, I mean, he should not be apologizing that truck driver should be like, you know what, kid, you're the best. You (laughs) really did something good here for me you saved my life
3: well and because like the the scope of the movie focuses on just those two families so it feels really small like consequence wise but it's not though because if it doesn't happen this way millions of people are impacted by this and it's just ridiculous
1: (laughs) it would would be like a literal like civil war in the in the country you know between toys and like humans because i don't know if all the toys had access to everybody's shit for like a day before they realized what was going on. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of guns in America. Right, exactly. Right.
3: It's only a matter of time before they figure out how to work those, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're coming up on our time. Uh, Is there anything else about the film that we we should talk about, touch on?
0: Uh, The soundtrack was really good. Mm. You know, aside from the... Hilarious Spice Girls moment! It was just that was the best part. Great. It was so good, but there's also like classic rock in there. They had Led Zeppelin. Like the soundtrack was really spot on. And... It was
1: a little weird when the girl was like, "Yeah, Led Zeppelin's my favorite band." It's like, come on, really? Oh
0: man! When and he... then she's right.
1: How old is the kid with the
0: motorcycle? Like, if she's sixteen, he's got to be seventeen
3: right he's supposed to be a year older i think is the idea and um know. yeah so it looks like we lost ryan
0: that's um, too bad if he
3: can hear us maybe he'll he'll try reconnecting to the meeting in the um, middle of
0: his rant too. i know
3: i'm sorry ryan it's so
0: sad but like to piggyback off of that then alan says like the worst thing you could ever say to a woman which is you're not like other girls <laughs> And she goes with it. Like, no, I'm really seven bats in a trench coat. Like Yeah.
3: No, that goes back to what you were saying earlier. Cause like there, you know, she's, she's being painted that way. She's got a million dolls, but she doesn't, she doesn't actually want them. Right. So why her parents are just randomly buying her dolls that she doesn't have any interest in.
0: Yeah.
3: You know? Um, so here's something kind of interesting that I, I'd like to touch on. It's the director. So the director is Joe Dante, who. Uh, Did gremlins both gremlins movies mm-hmm. yeah he, he directed both gremlins movies as well as twilight zone the movie um the burbs and um uh, a lot of, a lot of actually really interesting stuff even as recently as um an episode of legends of tomorrow
0: i was just about to say that
3: yeah so that's kind of cool like it's it's interesting to see some of these connections and we talk about how this could have been a horror film well look at the first gremlins versus the second gremlins yeah. Right? You know, this this movie I think tried to walk the line between the two. You know, and it easily could have gone one way or the other. Definitely. All right. Well, since oh, it looks like Ryan might be trying to reconnect. Uh Ray, is there anything else about the movie? Do you want to give your final thoughts on the film?
0: I just want to say that, you know, whenever there's a bad movie, we tend to put most of the blame straight on the director. Well, I got to say I got to put like 95 percent of the credit to joe dante with this he really knocked it out of the park uh it's just absolutely a fantastic film that still holds up so absolutely it's it's totally his fault (laughs) (laughs)
1: uh ryan you're back i am yeah sorry apparently we had a power outage for a split second there it's all anyway, good. what oh, I was you... saying was, <laughs> I don't know how much of it I got out before it shut down, but what about the kid that's like 22 years old with a motorcycle and she's like riding no. up? It was like a he's whole only band like... of kids with brand new crotch rockets. I think he's only like a year or two older. Okay. I,
3: I think we're supposed to believe that they all go to high school together.
1: Right, that's what we're supposed to believe, but I'm not buying it as yeah. an adult is what oh, I'm saying. Okay. That kid looks like he's gotcha. at least 25 years old. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then where to get right, the money well, for that? Come on. I'm wondering, he's probably a drug a... dealer
3: or his parents got it. That's
1: my theory. Okay. Um,
3: all right. So Ryan, why don't you give your final thoughts on the film as we wrap up here? Ray provided hers. So well, I missed
1: most of Rachel's, but I think that, uh, it was good. I think that if they had had a, maybe a director with a little bit, less I don't know maybe the same director even with less restrictions or more like freedom to do what they wanted to do with it it probably would have been a little bit more solid and wouldn't have felt as like weird tonally uh, separated between the the really violent stuff and like the kids stuff um, but overall I think it was maybe it didn't make as much money as it should have because it was a better movie than what the box office showed.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's it was the victim of bad timing releasing when it did with a lot of pretty successful films surrounding it. Um, and I, I think it's, it is an example of when the director is kind of told what to do later in a project from what they, they had in mind. Um, you know, I, I think this movie easily could have gone a couple of different ways and they tried to walk the line and that, that probably did hurt it because it wasn't sure what it was from that standpoint. But I think it really holds up. I enjoyed it far more than I really thought I was going to. I thought I'd look back on this and be like, man, this is so cheesy or or something like that, but I loved it. It's really good. I'm probably going to pick up the Blu-ray now just because I want to have it. Um, And the visuals hold up. Like we said, it was, it was really fun. I'm glad that we decided to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well then that's going to be it for us this week. Uh, Next week. What are we doing next week? Is next we week are
0: watching Batman Begins.
3: For the 15th anniversary. Yep. That's right. Yeah, the beginning of the Nolan trilogy. So that'll be cool. Uh, and yeah, so we'll be back for that. Don't forget you can join us live on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 central on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Screen Heroes. You can just find the Screen Heroes group and join us there. Please do. We do lots of non-podcast stuff in there. We've got different uh, tournaments going right now. We're doing a Pixar film bracket tournament that Ray put together and we're in the semifinals. Is that right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, The, what's it called? The elite eight. Is that? Yeah. The elite. Yeah. Yeah, So that's, that's where we're at right now. We're almost done with this.
3: Okay. The elite eight. Um, So we, you know, we did, um, we, we will do lots more of these. So you can come join us and talk about, you know, movies and lots of fun stuff out there uh ryan if people want to reach out to you or talk to you how
1: might they do so i'd rather they go to one of you guys but i guess if they have to um uh, at buster props on most platforms even though it doesn't look like we've posted anything in months uh, we definitely haven't but you can still reach us through there because i pay attention
0: nice okay
3: ray what about you
0: i am at siren ray
3: and I'm at the Star Trek Dude. We are the Screen Heroes Podcast from the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcast.com. The show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Uh, if you can, drop us a review somewhere. Drop it on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts. Drop it wherever. Uh, let us know if you do, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. And as long as it's appropriate, we will read your review on the show as well. So thank you very much for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Woo.